This message was recorded live at Life Church Lancashire, a contemporary Christian church in the north of England. Learn more at lifelanks.org. We've been looking at um, investment, and I'm really excited about our hashtag, the official hashtag for 2015, invest in 2015. Do we have any hashtag users? Any Facebook, Twitter, Instagram? All three of us. <laughs> you know, the funny thing about Americans is that, you know, like, um, we think of England, we think first of London, because we just, you know, that's what we think of first. So we think of, like, London as being what it is, modern. And then, like, the rest of England, for some reason, we think is just stuck, like, in the 1940s. Like, that's what we expect when we come over. We expect everybody in flat caps and um, little cottages everywhere and no social media. So... I think we're right on one of those things, at least, obviously. So there you go. Um, but yeah, this hashtag, invest in 2015. Definitely encourage you guys to go for trying that one out. Um, but to be honest, like, it's really making me think a bit differently about things. And, and maybe it's starting to change the way you think about things as well. Um, uh, like, for instance, yesterday, went out and um, bought a pair of running shoes. First pair of running shoes in 10 years. And, uh, but this whole mindset of invest in 2015, you know, for me, I was thinking, I'm not just buying a pair of running shoes here. Like, I'm actually investing in my health. I'm investing in my future. And, you know, that's a good excuse to go shopping. It's really an investment, you know. Um, it, but it's true, you know, and it's really changing the way that I look at things that, that maybe I just do all the time. And it's helping me to see it in a different way. You know, when I read a book that is challenging my thinking or teaching me something new, um, I've, I've begun to realize, like, hold on a second. I'm not just reading, my, reading a book. Like, I am investing time into growing myself. This is, this is actually an investment. And um, it kind of puts a different, like, weight of value on that time, doesn't it? You know, when, I, when, uh, when I'm, I'm, you know, making a grocery list and I'm thinking about the different types of foods that we're going to be eating over the next week and planning those meals out, you know, I'm not, I'm not just planning meals. I'm actually investing in my family, in our health, by choosing certain ingredients over others. You know, when, uh, when Matt and I, we, we sponsor a compassion child in India, and I know many, many families here sponsor children through compassion or, or other organizations like that. And, you know, we're not just giving to an organization. We're actually investing in Vasu's future, and we're actually investing in the future of India because he's going to be influential in his nation. He's going to be an influence in his community. So it's just really changed the way that I think about things. And it's, it's helped me realize, you know, I'm not just spending time. I'm not just spending money. I'm not just spending energy, but actually I'm investing this time. I'm investing this money. I'm investing this energy and the resources that I have. And, you know, a good investment has a good return. So I'm looking forward to the return on the, on those investments. And uh, I want to talk to you guys about um, a story that Jesus told in Matthew 25. And uh, we're going to talk a bit this morning about investing in yourself. And uh, when I was thinking about this idea of investing in yourself, um, I, I just realized, actually, it's really hard to separate investing in yourself from investing in others. You know, from actually doing something with your time or doing something with the things that that God has given you, the resources that you have. And, uh, and I found this parable really helpful and really encouraging, but also really challenging. So let's read through it together. It's in Matthew 25. Definitely encourage you. It's a bit of a read, so maybe look it up on your Bibles. Uh, look it up on your phones. Read along with me so, you, you know, I don't lose you, basically. I'll try, I'll try to make it interesting. I could try to do different voices. 
No, maybe not. Maybe not. Yeah, okay. All right, so Matthew 25, verse 14. This is Jesus speaking about the kingdom of heaven and describing what it is like. So again, the kingdom of heaven, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. This already sounds like a strange man. He called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold, and to another, two bags, and to another, one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also, the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. And his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. And his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. And his master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scouted seed? Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For those who have will be given more and they will have an abundance. As for those who do not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Gets a bit scary at the end there, doesn't it? Well, I thought it was scary at the end. (laughs) Um, So let's kind of review. Let's back up a bit. Because like I said, I think this this parable comes with a real encouragement. I think that it comes with a a real promise. But it comes with a serious warning as well. Um, so let's look back at first. So uh, when you read parables, uh, usually in a parable, one of the characters um, represents God. He's the God character. So in this parable, we would look at the master, the man with the servants, and, and recognize him as the God character. And I just want us to look at what this master did and what he was like, okay? So first, um, he is going to go on a journey. He calls his servants and entrusts his wealth to them. So we know that this master is successful, We know that um, because he's successful, he's probably powerful, probably influential. I mean, he's got servants. Um, We we can see that he's fair because it says that he... uh he kind of gives out the bags according to each person's ability. So he's quite fair. He's not putting more on somebody than they can really handle. He's quite fair with that. Um, We see that when things go well, he's very generous with his praise and with his reward to that person. You know, he's saying, oh, I'm going to give you even more. Come and share in your master's happiness. It's a very great celebration. 
Um, we see that he's also very, he's actually quite empowering, isn't he? Like he's saying, you know, I've given you this opportunity to the first two. He said, you've risen to the opportunity. I'm going to give you another opportunity. I'm going to give you another chance to do even more than what you've already done. So he's quite, he's like empowering um, his servants. And I think it's incredible, this idea that this man, he had no, he, like, he didn't have to do this with his servants. He didn't have to entrust his wealth to them. He didn't have to invest in them but he did. And something that has really, really encouraged me uh, when I was thinking about this is that, you, you know, God, he's already invested in you. You know, sometimes we think, right, I want to make a good investment, right? So we think about what, you know, there may be risky investments, there may be good event investments. And, you know, when you look at yourself, you might wonder if you're a good investment, you, you might wonder that about yourself. Maybe somebody has said something to you or done something to you that has made you feel worthless, that has made you feel useless, that has made you feel that no matter what you do to try, you're never actually going to succeed. That actually investing in yourself, you might feel, isn't a good investment because it's not going to have a good return. But I want to encourage you, God, he is already invested in you. And if God has invested in you, seeing you as a good investment, I can assure you, you are worth the investment. You are worth the cost that comes with that investment. And in Romans 5 eight, it says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He actually gave his life before we, we could do anything to deserve it. Without anything that we could have done to earn it, he already invested his very life into our future. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, it says that a spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. See, God has already made an investment in you. He's already planted something inside of you. He's given you a gift. He's given you a skill. He's given you like an edge to your personality, something special, something unique, something straight from him, which is meant to grow and is meant to bless the people around you. You know, sometimes we don't invest in ourselves because we're too busy investing in everything else and everyone else on the list. You know, there's so many other things. There's so many other people. There's so much more I could do for somebody else. But I want to encourage you this morning to just stop and think for a second. If you take the time to invest in yourself, to invest in that special thing God has already put inside of you for the benefit of others, if you invest in that and that grows, it will have a benefit for your family, for your friends, for all those things on the to-do list. So I want to encourage you first with that. God's invested in you already. But it's still up to us to respond in one, or two, one of two ways. So we could respond like the first and the second uh, servants who went out and did something with that investment. They, they did something with it. They grew it. They doubled it, in fact. Or the warning, I think, is that we could respond like the third servant. We could respond with insecurity. I believe a third servant, he, I think his first response was probably insecurity. But, how, like, can you really blame him? You know, he's standing there and he sees the first guy gets ten bags of gold. The second guy gets five bags of gold. He gets one bag. You know, poor third servant. You can, you, can, you can relate to that, can't you? Can anybody else relate to that sense of like, a bit of like, oh, why didn't I get as much as that person? I wish I had as much as they did. And all of a sudden, all those little comparisons start to sneak in, don't they? And we can relate 
at least I think most of us can relate to that feeling of insecurity. That feeling of, of, you know, like, I don't belong here. I'll never be as good as that. I wish I had what they had. And very quickly, that becomes something that just, like, freezes us where we're at and uh, actually doesn't help us to move forward. I don't know. Has anybody ever had, like, a goldfish for a pet? Yes. Okay. I don't know if you know this about goldfish. This is really, really fascinating about the way a goldfish grows. So a goldfish will grow according to, like, the size of its habitat. Okay, so if you keep a goldfish in a small bowl, it will only grow to a certain size, which is appropriate for that small bowl. But if you were to take that same fish and then move it into a larger tank, that fish would start growing and would grow to the right size for that tank. I think that's incredible. Like, how, like how amazing would that be if, if more creatures were like that? Like, according to the size of the space you've got, that's what you grow to. But it's amazing. That's how goldfish grow. But that's also how we grow, not physically, obviously. But that's how we grow as people, I, I think. I think that we grow according to the size of the tank that we are in. And some of us will grow to the place where we become the big fish in the little pond. We've grown to be the big fish in the little pond. And the thing is, you can stay the big fish in the little pond, but don't expect to grow anymore. You've actually put a limit on who you could actually be. You've put a lid on your potential. You've put a limit on what you could actually achieve by maybe moving into a bigger tank. And you'll become a small fish again for a while. You'll be the small fish again for a while. But if you choose, instead of responding to insecurity, if you choose to respond with gratitude for the opportunity, thankfulness for that move, and maybe try to learn a few things from the bigger fish in that tank, you will grow you will become a bigger person. And I think that that's a real challenge, you know, because it is natural and it's almost automatic that we would respond with insecurity in those situations where God has maybe moved us or we've moved from being the big fish in Little Pond, feeling confident in what we're doing. We've got a good grasp on things, you know, and all of a sudden that promotion happens or you move to a different town or, you know, you have a new opportunity. You're trying to learn a new skill and suddenly you, you just feel like the little fish again. You feel like there's so much that you don't know. And that's true, but that's actually an incredible learning opportunity. That's a great opportunity for you to invest in yourself, to learn from the other people who are in the room, the ones who are bigger than you. They could become your greatest resource and help you grow. The third servant, the third servant had a have-not attitude. Now, I find this really challenging. In verse 29, where the master says, For those who have will be given more, and they will have an abundance. As for those who do not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is something I've really struggled with because it doesn't seem to make sense with other parts of the Bible, which talk about caring for the poor, caring for the have-nots, looking after those who have very little in this world. And that's really important. And I, I really kind of wrestled with this a bit. And I started to think that, you know, maybe... What the master is saying here, maybe it's actually not about what you physically have. Okay, so for example, there could be somebody who's wealthy, successful, rich. They seem to have everything that they want. And yet they've got this mentality, I don't have enough. I don't have enough. 
I need more. I want more. I've got to go for more. I'm actually, they're actually a have not. I don't have enough. I don't have enough to give to that. I don't have enough to be generous with my time here. I don't have enough to, 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 to share what I've got. I need more. And at the same time, on the other end of the spectrum, maybe you know people, you've met people who, you know, when it comes to material things, seem to have very little. And yet, they're always inviting people around for dinner. There's always space at their table. You know, there's always, there's, they're always giving of their time. They're always giving of their resources. They've got this, this have attitude. They're like, I've got something to give. Do you, do you understand what I'm talking about? This have not attitude, this have not of no matter what I've got, it's not enough. I don't have enough. And then there's this have attitude of I've got plenty to share. I'm thankful for what I have. And this have-not attitude is kind of like the breeding ground for stinginess, for greed, for inward looking, which sadly this third servant fell prey to. But this have attitude is one of generosity. It's one of sharing. It's one that you want more people to be a part of your world. It makes sense that proverb, the world of the generous grows bigger. You know, like they want more people to be a part of their world. They're giving. They're warm. There's always room at their table. See, the third servant's issue wasn't what he had or had not or didn't have. The issue was he couldn't appreciate the value of what he had. You see, like, literally, this bag of gold, some translations of the Bible refer to it as a talent. And a talent was actually worth 20 years' wages. Imagine that amount of money. 20 years' wages wages. Now, fair enough, he didn't have five bags of gold or 10 bags of gold, but he had 20 years wages in his hands that he could have done something with. And what was his attitude? Have not. I don't have anything comparing to everybody else. I don't, what do I have to give? I don't have anything to work with here. Nor you a have or a have not. If you're a Christian in this room, you have no excuse to have a have-not attitude. If you're a Christian in this room, you have the best thing, the greatest thing. You have salvation. You have assurance that you're loved. You have forgiveness. That's something that you have. And you know what? It's not just for you. You have something to share. You have something to give. You have something to pass on to somebody else. Now, I understand that sometimes just having it doesn't mean that you know what to do with it, right? So, like, you might have that salvation, but maybe you're not sure how to communicate that to somebody else. Maybe you're not sure how to explain it. So, can I encourage you? You have something. Invest in it. Read some books. Talk to some other people who are going to help you understand what you have. Because it's true. Sometimes when you make that decision to, to accept salvation, it is so personal that sometimes it is hard to share with another person. You know, it's hard to pass it on to another person because it's just like, I don't really have the words to explain it to you. But you can find those words. You can invest in yourself. You can challenge yourself to understand what the gospel really is, how it applies to all people. You can challenge yourself to grow in communication. You can challenge yourself, you know, introverts, I'm with you. I'm one of you, okay? But we can challenge ourselves to take that step forward and say, okay, I know... I'm not the most forward person, but I've got something to share. I have something to give. So I'm going to find a way to pass it on. Are you guys still with me? Awesome. Okay. The third servant, he had a really skewed, 
like idea of what his master was really like. He says in verse 24, Master, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. To me, this doesn't line up with the whole picture that we've had of the master so far. It seems a bit skewed. It seems a bit like, really? Is that really what he's like? Is that really what this master is like? This master who first off trusts his wealth to his servants. When they do well, he promises to trust them with even more. He celebrates with them. He's generous with them. He's given them opportunities. He doesn't sound like this hard, stingy, uh, somewhat you know, shady character that the third servant is portraying him as. And I think sometimes we need to check. We need to check our, our thoughts, our attitudes, our, our belief of who God really is and what he's really like. You know, can I encourage you? Look, look up. Look around. Don't, don't let your picture of who God is be limited to your experience. God is so much bigger than any one of us. He's so much bigger than any one of our, our personal experiences. Imagine if we judged God's character based on how the weather affected us. Just imagine. There probably won't be many people sitting here today because it's England, okay? Like imagine if, if we thought God's goodness depends on how the weather affects me, okay? But actually, it's, that's a very small view, isn't it? Because if it never rains, the farmers will not be able to grow their crops, and that has a bigger effect on everybody else, doesn't it? And sometimes we can take situations that are specific to us and we think, because I'm not happy here, because this is hard, because this is difficult, because this is challenging, I actually can't see the whole picture. But from what I can see, this must be who God is. And I want to really challenge that idea. I want to challenge that perception of who God is. I want to encourage you, look up. You know, look at what he has to say about himself in his word. Look at what he's doing in the lives of the people around you. Maybe there are things going on that, that you just don't understand yet. It says that the master gave out those um, portions of money according to each person's ability. He was fully aware that that third servant couldn't handle five bags of gold. And he wasn't going to set him up to fail. He wasn't going to set him up for failure. So he gave him the appropriate amount, which still allowed him the opportunity. Does that make sense? He still, he could have said, I'm not going to bother with that servant. He's, he can only handle one bag of gold. He's like, no, I'm going to give him an opportunity to grow here, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to set him up to fail. You know, but all that servant could see was, why didn't I get five bags? Why didn't I get 10 bags? What am I supposed to do with this? And he judged his master based on that very limited view. And finally, the third servant was afraid in chapter 20, or in verse 25, he says, So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. He had a fear of, well, I actually don't know what he was afraid of. Because I don't think he was actually afraid of his master. Because if, if he was afraid of his master, his master calls him out on this. He's saying, oh, hold on a second. So you knew I was this hard, stingy guy. And yet... You didn't even bother putting my money in the bank to get investment back on it? It's like, come on. If you were really afraid of me, you would have done something with the money. Come on. If you were really afraid of how I would respond, you would have, you would have at least put it in the bank to get the interest back on it. I don't think that he was actually really afraid of his master. I think he was afraid of something else. But I don't know what that is because it's a story. And he's not a real person, so we can't ask him. 
But if I had to guess, I would think maybe he had a fear of failure. Maybe he was afraid of, he was just afraid of failing. He was a, so he didn't try. Now, I wonder what you would fill in the blank with. Like, what do you think was a real issue there? Maybe it wasn't failure. Maybe he was afraid of what other people would think of him. Maybe he was afraid of being humiliated. Um, maybe he was afraid of change. He realized, whoa, like, this is something different. I've never done this before. It's freaking me out a little bit. I'll just bury it. I'll put it in the ground. Maybe he was afraid of responsibility. Maybe he'd seen this process happen before, and he knew, if I do well here, I'm going to have to do even more work in the future. (laughs) I know what I'll do. I know how I'll avoid that extra work and extra responsibility. I'll prove him right. I am not ready to handle this level of responsibility. What do you think he was afraid of? Now, like I said, I think maybe it was a fear of failure, but maybe that says more about me than it does about a third servant. Instead of having a fear of whatever, whatever it is, I think what would have made a difference in the situation, what would make a difference for us is if he actually did have a fear of his master, for us to actually have a fear of God. Now, I'm not talking about the fear where we're afraid he's going to hurt us or do something horrible to us or that type of fear. I'm talking about having like this just awesome respect and uh, healthy, like, respect for his authority, for his power, this appreciation for his standing, for, for, for his, his right, his ability to give and to take away. It's, it's, it's like that, that healthy respect, you know, you have when you go out on the water. You know, you're not afraid of the water, but you're still going to wear a life jacket. You're like, the storm could kick up at any time. I'm not in control of this situation. So I've got a healthy kind of respect for the situation because I can't control it. And that's the same with God. Like we can't control how God responds to us. It's up to him. And so having this healthy fear, a healthy respect, a healthy appreciation for his authority and his power, because there are consequences to the way that we respond. I love the way he responded to the first two. You are faithful in a few things And now I'm going to give you many things. I think that's awesome. You are faithful with a few things. Now I'm going to give you many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. When we make that decision to actually invest in ourselves, to to invest in the things that God has put inside of us, the things he's already given to us, when we do that, we are unlocking future opportunities. We are unlocking future opportunities. You don't have to wait to be rich before you can be generous. Be generous now. If that's what God's put in you, be generous now. You don't have to wait to be married to work on your patience or to work on being selfless. You can do that now. You know, you don't have to wait to have a big house and a big kitchen and a big dining room table to have people over for tea. You know, if hospitality is in you, do it now. Start investing in these things now because when we are faithful with a few things, when we're faithful with the little things, the master, I will trust you with many things. Don't wait for that recognition. Don't wait for the platform. Don't wait for the the authority. You know, serve now. Teach now. Invest Invest in yourself now. Prepare yourself for that opportunity. So I just want to ask you, just to close, what, what has God invested in you? 
you're a great investment. And he knows better than any of us. And he's already invested something in you. He's shared something of himself, something of his character. In 1 Corinthians, they're referred to as the gifts of the spirit. The spirit being God's spirit, the Holy Spirit, the essence of who he is. And he shared that with us. Some of, some of us have faithfulness in us. Some of us have kindness in us. Do you know how powerful kindness is when you don't neglect it? If you've got kindness in you, please, please invest it. Use it. Practice it. That could change somebody's life. Some of us have gentleness in us. Some of us have a gift for teaching. But we've not invested enough in our understanding yet to be able to communicate that well. So we need to invest in that gift of teaching so we can share what God has for us to share. There's this incredible story. It's probably one of my favorite Jesus stories. Um, And uh, it's, it's at the end of Luke and I believe it's at the end of John as well. And it's a story. It's after Jesus has died on the cross and he's risen again. And it's before he ascends into heaven. And this really funny thing happened after Jesus died. Um, and kind of he rose again. And it seemed things maybe seemed to settle. And uh, Peter, who is one of Jesus' 12 disciples, uh, Peter kind of looks around at the guys and he's like, Well, I guess I'm going back to fishing. I'm going to go fishing. Because this all seems to have blown over. You know, Peter was the one who, uh, who um, denied that he even knew Jesus uh, when Jesus was on trial before his crucifixion. So they go back to fishing. And it seems kind of like a step back for them. You know, they've had these amazing three years with Jesus, seen all these miracles, been a part of everything that he's doing. But, like, now Jesus died and he was again. And, like, what does all that mean? And what's happening next? So Peter goes back to fishing. And uh, Jesus, he like appears to them and he sits on the beach with them and he has breakfast with them and he talks to Peter and he, he just encouraged, Peter denied him three times and Jesus gives him three opportunities to say, no, I love you. I'm with you. I'll do what you have to say. And it was almost like this, like repairing the damage that had happened. And he, he, he reinstates Peter And he gives Peter a new purpose. And he says, right, go out and feed my sheep. You are the one I'm giving this authority to. You know what you have to do. I'm with you. Come on, like, let's go. Don't go back to fishing. Let's go forward. Let's let's go again. Let's try again. Let's move forward from the mistakes in the past. And so maybe today you're thinking, what has God invested in me? Maybe you feel like too much time has gone by. Maybe you feel like it's too late. And the thing I love about that story is that it's not too late. It's never too late. Jesus reappears to his disciples, to Peter, and he just reconnects with Peter. He encourages him, and he's like, come on, let's go again. Come on. We've got, we've got something to do. We've got a world to save. We've got people who need to know their love. We've got people who need to know kindness. We've got people who need to know generosity. We've got something to do. So come on. Don't worry about what happened in the past. Let's just move forward with today. And I really want to encourage you and close with that encouragement. It's not too late to start now. Whatever age you're at, however long you've been aware of what God has planted inside of you, maybe you've neglected it. Maybe you've refused to embrace it. Maybe you've been afraid of it a bit. I want to encourage you. You can start today. You can start tomorrow. It's it's never too late to start. And I really believe God has incredible things for you, incredible things planned for you to do that aren't just going to benefit you, but are really going to benefit your family, your friends, our community, 
and the world around you. Discover more about us at lifelanks.org and stay inspired by subscribing to the podcast via iTunes. Thanks for listening.